You're listening to an episode of Understanding Cancer, a podcast from Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Today, we're discussing nutrition and the role it should play in our lives. Cancer patients often hear about the importance of nutrition both during and after treatment. While this is something we all should be doing, it's particularly important for individuals with cancer. But why? It's a big question, and to help answer it, I'm joined by Dana-Farber senior nutritionist Stacy Kennedy. Stacy's here to tell you about how to get the nutrients you need, manage common side effects of treatment, and approach claims about whether certain foods can either cause or even cure cancer. Stacy has special training in oncology and nutrition, and like all nutritionists at Dana-Farber, she bases her advice on scientifically sound nutrition research. Stacy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me here. It's great to be here today. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Why does nutrition need to be a top priority for cancer patients? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, nutrition is something that's important for everyone. Um, but during cancer treatment, it's especially important to make sure that you're getting the nutrients that your body needs. And our nutritional requirements can actually be a little bit different during treatment. I think the other reason is to think about optimizing and supporting the immune system. And so feeling really good every day and helping support your body to be at its best are all things that nutrition can play a role in. And just kind of going off of that, is it possible to boost your immune system or maybe speed up your treatment recovery process by eating the right types of food? Yes and no. I think one of the ways that we like to talk about it with patients is helping to manage side effects and symptoms. And so things like nausea or digestive upset like constipation or heartburn, fatigue, these are all things that can come up during treatment. And with proper nourishment, you can really help to mitigate the severity or the duration sometimes even for some of those side effects. Um, as far as the term boosting the immune system, I feel like that starts to go into the like world of what we call internet nutrition. <laughs> um, so sort of for lack of a better word, it's a, it's a little too strong. Um, we like to say support the immune system. Um, boosting makes it sound like, you know, it's just living up to something. It's a little hard to describe. So we want to really use nutrition to be supportive of all of the basic functions that our body does and really kind of optimize how you can feel each day. Kind of going back about those side effects that either come from cancer or the treatment. Do you have any advice for either patients or caregivers in order to help cope with these? Yes, lots. Um, and so a lot of what we do individually with patients is go through, it's a little bit of like, a, you know, nutrition investigation, try to help figure out um, within certain kind of categories, what specific foods, what specific beverages, eating patterns might be most helpful. Um, but there are some kind of tried and true strategies depending on the symptom. And a lot of that information, the details are on the website. Um, but for example, for nausea, making sure that you don't have an empty stomach so the small frequent meals can help 
Things like lemon and ginger may help with nausea management. Obviously, hydration, getting the right balance of fiber from your diet can be important for constipation. Um, but there are a lot of nuances in certain foods that, you know, whatever your typical eating pattern is, your taste preferences, your cultural eating habits, there are ways to apply the sort of principles of nutrition for symptom management and come up with a custom food list that really works for each person. Would it make sense to kind of make a log and write this stuff down to let yourself know what worked and what didn't work? Yeah, I think it can be helpful, especially if you're meeting with a nutritionist, to keep track. Sometimes keeping track just for the sake of keeping track, it's an awful lot of work. It can be somewhat frustrating um, and just tedious, but it can be really effective as a tool when you're trying to get a new habit consistently. So like if you're struggling with appetite and you're going through treatment, keeping track might help you remember or even better set an alarm on your phone to remind you it's time to eat or drink and then bring some of those records and to show your nutritionist, to show your doctor, um, and they can kind of use that as a tool. But keeping a journal every day, forever and ever, it's, it's not for everyone. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, just so if someone came to you and asked, you know, what should they be eating? Is there kind of a broad diet you give all cancer patients that they should be trying to follow? So the foundation is a really well-balanced diet. And what we mean by a well-balanced plant-based diet is that you have these kind of partnerships on your plate. So you're trying to make half of your plate vegetables or fruits, a quarter of your plate protein, and that might be something like chicken or fish or eggs. It could be nuts or seeds or beans or like a nut butter. And then the other quarter is a carbohydrate, so a healthy starch. So it could be a baked potato, it could be quinoa, brown rice, things like that. Now that's kind of a general healthy balanced plate, um, but there often are times during treatment or due to um, the cancer itself that patients will need to make modifications. So while getting a lot of you know vegetables, whether they're raw or cooked, is a generally healthy thing to do, sometimes patients you know actually need to have less fiber, and so then we recommend you know more cooked versus raw vegetables. There are a lot of ways to customize it, but that overall plant-based foundation with adequate protein is something that we do generally recommend for most people. So that's some of the things you should be eating. Are there any foods that you should be avoiding? I mean, first and foremost are things that are you're kind of averse to. So don't force yourself to get something down just because you read online or somebody told you that it's really good for you. Um, you know, bring those questions to the nutritionist. I think things to avoid from a cancer prevention standpoint, um, you know, have to do, again, it isn't all or nothing, but really the balance of things overall, right? So we know that excessive amounts of red meat can um, increase the risk of developing certain kinds of cancers like colorectal cancer. Um, having excess amounts of processed meats might be risky in terms of certain types of cancers as well. So there's a lot of good data, um, even on managing weight, trying to exercise, eat a healthy balance diet to avoid obesity as a way of maybe reducing risk for developing certain kinds of cancers. Um, but as far as like hard and fast rules, it really becomes individualized. And I think for people in treatment, you know, it can be challenging already just to eat. And so if we have this really long list of things to avoid, sometimes just the, you know, overall thought process of that can be challenging. So it really sounds like you got to do what's best 
for you and whatever kind of helps you get through it. Start with that and then you can work from there. Yeah, I think to some extent, but there's like the other side of that coin of the eat whatever you want can also be hard for people to hear, right? You know, if you feel like eating an ice cream, great. Um, Like anybody else, things in moderation are fine. But sometimes patients get that message, you know, they hear one or the other. Either there's a very defined food list of do's and don'ts, or it doesn't matter, do whatever you want. And, you know, it's kind of like that game, two truths and a lie. That's where it helps if you can meet with someone or kind of customize it. There's something in between those two things. There certainly are general guidelines. If you, you know, ate ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, that's not really recommended either. So there's something in the middle of that, but we want the foundation to be a colorful array of plant-based foods as kind of that foundational element. Absolutely. And moving from patients who are no longer on treatment or are survivors, is there any nutritional recommendations or things they should keep in mind as they continue their diet going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So again, there'll be some, you know, personalization components, but that balanced plate and having those plant-based foods, kind of like a Mediterranean style diet where you're including healthy fats, things like olive oil and avocados and nuts and seeds and hummus, along with fish and eggs and getting those whole grains and lots of veggies. That really is the recommendation, along with physical activity. Um, and hydration. You know, we didn't talk too much about that, but um, getting enough water, getting enough fluids is really important throughout, you know, during treatment, after treatment as well. In terms of hydration, what should you be aiming for? Well, it really depends. Everybody has a different fluid need. So like eight cups a day, eight, eight ounce cups is to some extent like made up. I mean, the, the math works for some people, but if you're more active, if you're a bigger person, if you're having issues like diarrhea, you might need more than that. And you can count things that are liquid at room temperature. So if you drink a smoothie, if you have an herbal tea, if you have soup, those count towards your fluid requirements. And adding fruits or uh, citrus to water can increase the palatability and also some of the nutrients as well. So there are a lot of strategies. I would say most people self-report that they struggle to get enough fluid. And I believe it. I think it's something you have to really be mindful about and kind of make into like a new habit, but it can really help a lot, especially with things like energy level and really, you know, feeling good. Just to come full circle now, uh, we talked about, you know, stuff that is scientifically proven. If you go online, though, it's really easy to find all these claims that either a certain food can prevent or maybe even cure cancer. How should people approach the stuff that they find online? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the first step is to collect that information and bring it to your trusted advisor. So if you have a dietitian you work with, that's a great person to bring it to. You can talk to your oncologist, your nurse practitioner. Um, you know, it's, it's hard when you're being bombarded with all of those messages. And nutrition can make a really strong impact, but there should never be a, a case where somebody's out there promoting that a certain kind of diet can cure cancer. When we start to see those sorts of absolute language or, you know, supplements and and vitamins and things like that, you know, we really want to stay in the realm of evidence-based practice where we understand that nutrition and eating habits can be very supportive and be very beneficial, but we're not going to start making claims that are absolute, like 
completely prevent or or cure. That really can be misleading and technically I think is illegal. So I do recommend caution, but at the same time, I really want patients to have a place to come talk those things out. Trust me, I've heard so many different things over the years that there's nothing that's going to be shocking or surprising or that you're going to get a response like, why would you think that would be helpful? When you're going through something like cancer, you want to be open-minded. And so as your provider, we want to be open-minded too. So bring those conversations so we can really look at it more from a personal angle and really help you to know how to handle when somebody comes to you, you know, and says, hey, I love you. You got to do this. You're like, thank you. And I'm going to go talk to my nutritionist about that. Then just to kind of wrap up here, are there some verified online sources or a place you can direct people where if they did have questions, they're just kind of looking for some information that they could go to? Absolutely. So first and foremost is the Dana-Farber Nutrition website. We have a lot of really great information. We have a lot of recipes. So it's just danafarber.org backslash nutrition. Um, and within our website, we also have a list of other reliable resources for information. So the National Cancer Institute, American Cancer Society, American Institute for Cancer Research. So we have a whole list of places where you can absolutely go get more reliable information on your own, especially where, you know, it can be hard to get an appointment to sit, you know, one-on-one sometimes. Stacey, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Great. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out more of our content by searching for Understanding Cancer on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review as this helps others to find the podcast. To learn more about us, visit DanaFarber.org.